Hey, hey, this week we discuss gift procrastination, super infections, and handmade candy canes. Okay, I'm ready. I think so. Awesome. We're ready. We're ready. Here we go. Evening, Rachel. Good evening. How are you? I'm great. I shaved for this. Yeah, you really are. It's almost 10 o'clock at night and I just shaved (laughs) because I'm gross. Is that why you shaved? Because you felt gross? Uh, I've been sick. Yeah. And so, yeah, as I start to get better, usually when I'm sick, I start washing all my clothes and <laughs> bathing and showering and all that. I or love shaving. I mean, I love this ritual because I came home tonight from being out for like an hour and a half, and the house is amazing and like spotless. Like you, yeah, you have this like need. It's like nesting or like a rejuvenation of it's, our house. It's my own little nesting where I kill <laughs> my cold. It's you can hear amazing. it probably because I'm a little nasally still and sniffling, but. Um, I, speaking of rituals that I like the last two weekends, you have gone out on Sunday night for like an hour and a half to two hours. Yeah. And I've had the house the first time to myself. The second time there were a couple of kids here, but I just made them do like chores and stuff. Yeah. It's awesome. Like I just get <laughs> stuff done. I yeah. feel like I'm going to the week with things finished, like hey, just you dumb know, stuff like laundry. And if I have to do that for you every week, I you'll will. Go out I mean, it's a sacrifice, but you're a giver. I'm a giver. I'll do it for you. You know, I, uh, it was. It's been really nice. It's kind of it's invigorating. So I kind of go into the week like ready to roll. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. The other thing I've noticed is. Uh, the closer we get to Christmas, the more I realize how little I do and how much you do around Christmas. Man, you don't and have so, to say that. And so I start wanting to do more laundry or the dishes because <laughs> I'm like, I got to do something to earn my points, Rachel. Uh, you know, we're always the... competing for points <laughs> and I got to win. All the women out there need to send this podcast to their husband and say, listen, this man is doing this. You should recognize that your wife is doing a ton of stuff too. And just do some dishes. Do some dishes. That's all that, that matters. And a little laundry. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing some really good laundry. That's such an unfair stereotype, though. I shouldn't have even said that. Because there are men who do a ton. Yeah. And you do a ton that I don't see. But. And many men do things that I don't do. Like, I actually really enjoy laundry. Like, be on time? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Rachel. Oh, That's touche. one of the things I do not do. <laughs> That was great. Uh, no, I don't really do a lot of handy things around the house. Yeah, um, that's true. I yeah, and there's I don't vacuum for some reason. I just hate the noise. <laughs> it bothers me a lot. Yeah, uh, which has been frustrating that's because why we have a ton of leaves in our house right yeah. now, and the broom, of course, has been out in the rain for two days. <laughs> of course. And so because I that have makes just sense. been walking on these stupid leaves, and I'm like, I, I'm not going to vacuum them. It's too loud. It's too. That's my excuse for not doing laundry. Is that a fair excuse? That's too loud? Yeah, it's too loud. I mean, it's loud if you're in the laundry room. I know. I know. That's why it's funny. (laughs) I should be doing laundry. Um, So I bet most people who listen to this podcast, they or their husbands do a bunch of chores. It might just be different ones that I would never do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like various divisions of labor, obviously, based on your your life circumstances and And your interest levels. And your interest levels. I have zero interest in laundry until the whole house is going commando and then I have to find it interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I do for sanitary reasons, you know, like just for sanitation. Just just so we don't die. <laughs> yes. So um, 
I sound like a terrible wife because in previous episodes I've said that I hate cooking and I also hate doing laundry. There are a lot of like housework things that I don't like doing, but I love cleaning out the shed. Yeah, and you fight through those things and you do them a lot. Yeah, a lot like more I than said, you want. for sanitation reasons only. Well, and nutrition reasons and so that we don't nutrition. all die. <laughs> There's that, yes. Uh, but yeah, you do really like that. You love gardening. I do love gardening, yeah. Uh, which I hate. And I feel like a lot of men like doing, and I'm just well. Not and it. to my credit, I think that I would like cooking, and I think a lot of people would like cooking if their kids ate what you cook. Like, yeah. I cook good meals like that are a little out of the ordinary, or that might have a mixed food like a casserole or something right, like that, they or a soup. Eat for they won't reason. eat mixed foods, so we're doing like meats, vegetables, like which is normal and good. It's a very Weight Watchers friendly way, but it's boring. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway. our kids will eat a lot of vegetables if they're just raw and in front of them, which yep. is weird. Because yeah. I wouldn't have, I would never eat spinach. They'll eat spinach. They might complain about it, but they'll do it. But yeah, you mix a vegetable with another vegetable, and they're uh, out. Yeah, they're out. Totally. Or, anyway, so I just would like to say that maybe someday I will like cooking if people ate it. Yeah, that's right. Someday. When one of our kids compliments your cooking, which happens every once in a while, oh, you it's just like beam. <laughs> you get so happy. Because it is so rare. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah rare. Oh, yeah. So I've been sick. You're a little under the weather. I am. Yeah. So, and it's right before Christmas. Yeehaw! Um, so on a, a scale of like zero to ten, where zero is you just want to... Fall asleep for the rest of your life, and 10 is like you're super excited. Negative four. Negative four. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. No, I'm probably negative right now. Are you? I, the the few days leading to Christmas yeah. are kind of the worst for me, because um, I still have things going on at work, uh, so I'm trying to keep that. We have some people coming to town uh, and or coming to our house for a little while, which is great, um, but... You joked about me being late. I also don't plan ahead well. Right. And so now all these things I want to do, I'm just realizing today, like, oh, I need to go do these <laughs> 20 things. Yeah. And I have about four hours over the next three days to get them done. Yes. And they're not going to get done. And then I start worrying about your gift, which stinks this year, uh, the gift I'm giving you. Uh-huh. Um, so some years I'm like, oh, I got a good one. I was really creative. I planned it in October. Yeah, like once I did that. <laughs> Um, but most years, I like kind of piece it together, and it's this hodgepodge of things, and I feel like you're going to be disappointed. Not that you're usually not, because you're very gracious, but I, I think the gifts are disappointing sometimes, and, and that's on me. So I start to feel this pressure, and then I start worrying about other people, you know, our kids and uh, mothers and mothers-in-laws and all that stuff about, will they be disappointed with gifts? And Oh, man. I don't know. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I mean, no more than you feel. I mean, you do all this stuff and well, it's piece different. it all together. I mean, I have like I feel like I have my head head in the game a little earlier than you because of your in, like every area of our life. Yes. Well, no, 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 <laughs> not at all. Like because you're carrying the weight of um, work. Like you're going to work every day and you have to go into that compartment and then you come home and you have to go into dad mode and then you've got like. To throw Christmas in on top of that, I would imagine, is just a lot. Whereas for me, like, I'm in the house. And even when I was working, like, I was just more in the mode of Christmas. 
And yeah. so it was easier for me to be thinking and like and be on top of it and say, oh, gosh, that kid just mentioned they want X, Y, or Z for Christmas and I can order it right then. Whereas like you come in and you're not just in those everyday conversations. Yeah. It's easier for you. Some of that may be your current work situation, but a lot of that is just your skill set. And I don't think that's a gender. I got skills. I don't think that's a gendered <laughs> thing. Like yeah. they're just people who are gifted at hearing and thinking about what's going on around with people around them and then planning ahead and executing on those. Yeah. And I'm the kind of person who will have like a random idea in my head in July. Like, oh, that would be a great gift, either because it's funny or because someone would just really love it. And then I'll never think of it again until December 26th. And it's like, <laughs> well, that's gone. Next year. Or <laughs> yeah, happy instead, Valentine's. I got them a scarf again. <laughs> I feel like most, that's part of what I feel is I don't know how to find gifts that are both thoughtful, like personal, and actually useful for people. Like I'm yeah. worried I'm going to get them the equivalent of socks. Yeah, or, what is, or well, I'm going to get them something that's like kind of funny and whimsical, but it's just like they're never going to use it. But that is truly a skill set. We have some friends who just like have brilliant minds for games and gifts. Yeah. Like they think so well about how people function and who they are and what they love. Yeah. They just are really skilled at it. And I would say that you and I maybe don't. And I would say like, Going back to, like, the five languages of love and whatnot, you know, that book. Um, like, you, I think, like, receiving gifts, and you feel loved by receiving gifts, but... Um, I'm but, terrible at giving them? Well, I just think that it's not it's not the way that we want to show love, and it is the way that other people do, you know? Um, yeah. Anyway, all that to say... It makes um, Christmas kind of hard since it's about a lot of gifts. I know. What's a way that – it is hard. What's a way that you can set yourself up better next year? I mean, just thinking about, like, logistically, like, what happens on December 22nd or 21st that doesn't happen on November 15th? Uh, so, well, one thing that you know very well about me is that I work under urgency. Yeah. I, I get clarity when there's urgency. Yeah. And, then, and some of it is – when you're down to the last minute, your options become smaller, and so it's not as hard to make a decision. So is it that there are just so many decisions? Uh, it is, no. It's that there's so many options for the handful of decisions I need to make. Yeah. And uh, I think I have anxiety. Not even anxiety. I think I just block it, those decisions out because I don't want to make them because yeah. I'm worried I'll make the wrong decision. Oh, uh, yeah. So that's one piece. I do think the other piece is... That for me, I need time to think. Like, I, and, and it's not even searching on the internet. Like, sometimes I just need to think about you as a person. Yeah. Think about, okay, <laughs> I'll say. When, like, you're saying, oh, you remember when people say things. Like, I have a, I don't know what you got me. Um, I have honored the, the, the request not to look at that particular bank account. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I, you know, I'm sure that it'll be something that I mentioned or that you know that I need and want because you're really observant. And for me, I sort of have to like replay the last four months of our conversations, hoping huh. that I'll remember hoping something. Hoping something will surface. <laughs> yes. And sometimes it does. Sometimes I come up with great gifts when I do that. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh, she said this. Let me think about that more and figure it out. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I also... Um, 
sometimes come up with great ideas and then I'm done. And so I will get you the same thing over and over again. Or like, it's like the <laughs> same concept. That's why we give each other a um, An ornament. Christmas ornament every year, Christmas tree ornament. Uh, and often those are meaningful. Uh, and I'm able to like think about something that happened that year that's going on. But the nice thing about that is, again, the options are relatively small. And so it's relatively easy for me to say, oh, I can get you an ornament. I can make it seem thoughtful, Yeah. even if it doesn't match exactly. Like one year I got you like a, it was dated 1982 and it was like called the Little Dutch Girl or something like that. Yeah. But because you're Dutch and I found it on Amazon. You're like, oh, it fits. Yeah. And I was able to like write a note. And I think that's when you were talking about people have certain gifts. Like if I take the time to write a note to people about how I really care, think about them and yeah. feel. That's maybe one of my gifts. And, and, and Christmas isn't really about that, or I think it's not about that. And so I don't take the time because it is time consuming, like to think about it, yeah. to actually handwrite it. My handwriting's terrible. So I have to write super slow. <laughs> like I'm a kindergartner. <laughs> Our I mean, kindergartner does have better handwriting than you. And he can write faster than me. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Oh, it's funny. Well, and I think, to your credit, that's the thing about Christmas that I miss or like the holidays in general are so rushed. What I really want from you most of the time is to hear how great I am. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like your notes just like sing these like beautiful songs over me that make me feel loved and warm and fuzzy inside and make me like, it, it reminds me of who I really am and what you actually see instead of all this crap in my head. And really, that's the best gift that I can get. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and do you like giving that gift? <laughs> I do. Sorry, what I was I was trying to like get my words together, but what I was going to say is that takes a lot of time hmm. and energy for it not to come across as trite. Like yes. I didn't buy you a gift; I made you this macaroni art. You know, right, right. like for it to be like, hey, I've really sat down and thought about who you are who I am, who we are together. Um, and this is what I want you to know. And, yeah. And Merry Christmas. <laughs> well, maybe that's what, like, you know, the question, like, what can you do on November 15th instead of December 21st or whatever? Like, maybe that is the goal is to write those notes on November 15th. Because to be honest, if I write those notes or if I start thinking about you in that way, and maybe even in bullet points, I start realizing, oh, this would be a perfect gift to go along with what I really want him or her to know. Yeah, that's a good idea. I do think for me the main issue is I feel short on time Ugh, Yes. in November even yeah. and feel like it would be weird. And it's not because of you. It's all on me. But just weird to go to you and say, hey, I need four hours on a Saturday to get my head straight around Christmas. <laughs> um, but if you came to me and said, hey, I need four hours on a Saturday to, write to, your night notes. to think about you in beautiful ways, I'd say, yeah, yeah, we can make that work. <laughs> Uh, I will try that wording. Cause, cause it, so here's how it ended up playing out is when you asked, like, what happens on December 22nd or whatever day it was this past weekend, I essentially, not totally selflessly or unselfishly or selfishly, whatever. Selfless. It's, it's somewhere in between. Go-flish. It's go-flish. a balance of me being like, hey, go take three or four hours and go get your nails done or relax or do something you want to do. I'm going to take the boys. And part of it is then – I. I can sit with the boys and we can talk about what we're going to do for you or what we're going to get for you. Yeah. Um, 
And but sometimes I don't know. I don't know why I can't just do that in November. But it feels weird to be like, hey, I need some time by myself, and then I need some time with the kids without you right. to do this. Even though I know if I explained that to you, you'd be open to it. Yeah, I, I just, know. It's I don't know. It, like the procrastination is part of the season, you know. <laughs> It just is what it is. But what's stupid, so for us procrastinators, I was in Target the other day, like two days ago, and they were taking down Christmas and putting up Valentine's Day, and I was ticked. I couldn't even believe it. Yeah. I just needed like a few extra little stocking stuffers or like candies. and. So um, you're talking like December 20th, roughly. Yes. They were taking down trees. They were, I mean, all of it was gone, and they already had three end caps and aisles full of Valentine's Day stuff. Uh, you don't I need. Couldn't even believe it. But that's some six of, weeks of Valentine's Day. No, but that's the trouble is that like we've been doing Christmas now for what two months? Six weeks, yeah, at least. And so, like people are done. We're done, <laughs> man. By the time Christmas rolls around, everyone is toast. And then if you are a procrastinator and you have been diligent about waiting to celebrate Christmas, you can't even do it because yeah, Target yeah. says no. <laughs> No Christmas for you. No Christmas for you. You waited until five days before, and now you're screwed. Yeah. Anyway. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Happy Hanukkah. Today's the first day of Hanukkah. Well, that's right. not when this drops, but... But when we recorded it, yep. Yeah. That's right. All right, so I want to talk about something that you actually brought up uh, without us discussing, as which is usually what happens, is somehow we get to where we're going to go. It's because we read each other's minds. Yes. By the way, our kids still think we can read each other's minds. Yes, it's fantastic. It is. Don't let them listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago, um, the Seth Godin podcast, Akimbo. It's fantastic. Highly recommend it. Um, and he talked about this word, super infection, just in passing and in biological terms or sort of infectious disease terms it's the idea that you get infected and then a secondary infection comes and maybe it's slightly mutated and then that actually that second infection is what um like ends up killing you or really harmful yeah so i'm probably getting that wrong i hopefully we don't have a lot of like biologists i know right (laughs) Uh, but we know a few people who work in that world, so maybe they'll correct me. Uh, But anyway, that's not the point. The point is that you can have uh, a super infection in the world of ideas, which is um, uh, essentially we become vulnerable to certain types of ideas because we've heard this this primary idea over and over again. So when you talked about me writing you notes and speaking kind of the beauty and the truth that I see in you, Uh um, and that counterbalances all the lies that you hear in your own head um, day in and day out. It just reminds me of this idea of super infection. So the idea is that for me in this is that you and I both and probably every single person who listens to this live in a world where there are things that run through our head daily, hourly, maybe even every five seconds about who we think we are or who some voice in our head is telling us who we are in a negative way. Like we're to this David's never on time. (laughs) No, like that's not a real one. But I have these types of things in my head where um, I, you know, think I do sort of see myself as always being late and being a procrastinator and that I've made that part of my identity, not because I want it to be, but it's sort of been drilled into me. And then the voice in my head starts to say, well, you're not very thoughtful. You don't care about people. You're not Mm. a good friend. And so that's kind of the super infection. It's almost this, like, I am, it is true that I'm not great at planning ahead. And it is true that I tend to be late to things. And so then the super infection is this other idea that plays off of that and starts to say, 
oh, because those things are true, it's because, or those things show that you are a selfish person who doesn't care about other people who clearly people wouldn't like and want to be friends with. Yeah. And it's like, that's a big I, jump. It's interesting <laughs> because like your second layer is very similar to mine, but my first layer is far different. Like my, my oh, first so. layer is um, you talk too much. Which seems to serve us well in podcasting, but <laughs> in general, that's the voice I hear is like, you're always um, jumping in conversation. You don't let people get a word in edgewise. You are asking too many questions. That's a big one that I ask too many questions and mm-hmm. don't answer enough questions. And so um, part of that, that is like those things are actually true. And it is based out of like this crazy curiosity I think I have, but it gets like amplified especially when I'm insecure in a situation but then the second layer is out of those things I'm thinking people probably think I'm selfish they think that I'm not interested in them they think I'm a bad friend they don't want to be friends with me and it's like this like reel of rejection that keeps going but it's my first layer is far different um that's so interesting yeah I'm curious like if we take a minute all, you know, all of our listeners, like, if you take a minute, do you relate to that second layer? Like, is that what we're all thinking? And if that's the case, yikes. <laughs> Someone <laughs> should say the truth. Yeah. I will because I talk a lot. I'd imagine there's a spectrum of second layers, which you've sort of coined that phrase. I like that. Um, but they all are self-condemning. Yeah, um, absolutely. Whether it's, and like you said, all of our there's probably overlap for some people on their first layer as well, but that it's all these very unique pinpoints of, oh, this is something that's wrong with you. This is someone something that someone has once said you do too much or do too little of. Right. And then you start going down this bunny trail of, this is why I'm not a good person or not a good mom or not a good dad or not a good spouse. Or, like, I think of it in terms of our kids. Like, I think that our primary job as parents is – to, you know, make sure that they are learning about the world, that they're coached well, they're trained well. But also, um, man, we are warriors to fight against those super infections. And to A, I mean, like, it is, we are bound to reiterate um, things they are hearing. We are bound to reiterate that first layer. And we are bound to reinforce that second layer. However, our job as parents is to watch when those rise up and just like beat them down, you know? Yeah. So, um, that's exactly right. I, I think that we have an opportunity in our marriages and as parents to speak loving and generous truth into our kids and our spouses' lives. Um, that mm offer a lot of hope and joy because that stuff is really oppressive, right? Like it really, you start to feel in a cage or a prison because you're, oh, this is just who I am and I'm always like this and I'm always stuck here. And what's great about our spouses is that they know the bad parts. They know what's true in those statements, (laughs) but can also call us towards something better and say, but... Like when you ask, you know, for you, like when you ask questions with genuine interest and then offer yourself in response, like you really connect with people and people feel really loved and really known. Oh, thanks. um, (laughs) I feel a little (laughs) conspicuous right now. (laughs) 
Don't worry, no one can see you. I know. Thank goodness I'm in my pajamas. Um, so I think that's an opportunity for husbands to wives and wives to husbands to um, to pay attention to those super infections, to pay attention to those narratives because they come up. They come up in our conversations. They come up in our fights. Mm-hmm. Like if you really take the time to dissect. And, and I think this has been a useful thing is sometimes for us, we have fights, they'll be explosive, they'll be, you know, feel dangerous in the moment and hurtful. Yeah. And then we'll be able to, as we come back from that, like pull back from the emotions of it, be able to actually dissect what just happened. Right. Um, we certainly don't do this all the time, but, or, or why did I respond the way I did? Not saying it's justified, but, you know, I felt this or it pricked this part of me or this thing that I believe or think right. or I felt accused of whatever. And in all honesty, usually how that starts is, well, you made me feel da-da-da-da. Yeah, like, yeah, right. you did this and da-da-da-da-da. Like, and and like sometimes ranting. a light bulb will go on and be like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. So, But doing that helps us learn each other's narratives and what it is that we hear in our own heads and hearts all day. Yes. Um, and then that gives us an opportunity if we take our four hours in November to write a note. No. <laughs> I, mean, but to take, I do think that's part of my role as your husband is to step back and to think about you and the, the narratives you're hearing and feeling. Um. And then be able to speak proactively speak into those hmm. and say, this is actually what's really going on. And like, yes, you feel this. And yes, you're not perfect. Or sometimes you do X, Y, or Z. But the truth is you really love people well and you're passionate and w- whatever it is. Right. Um, and I think that's just such a gift in marriage. Huge. I think that the key word you said earlier that really struck me was the word generous. Um, because it is really generous to um, interact with your spouse or your kids with this perspective, with like thinking of what super infections are they dealing with and what's trying to take them down and how can I be the antidote to that, um, yeah. to that poison. Um, and, and I think as time goes on, the ability to um, receive that well, I would say that I did not receive your graciousness early on um, because we just needed some time to figure out what that looked like. Yeah. Um, but that's that's a part of it as well as trusting your generosity and saying, oh, he really does see me. But that does that does take some serious time. Yeah, it's scary to be seen. Yeah, absolutely. And known. Um, and I think if you're the one speaking into your spouse's life and heart and mind to not – hold it against them if they don't respond the, w- the way you want. Like, Ooh, cause, cause that's y- super hard. You said early in our marriage you might not have responded very well, and the other bad part is that early in our marriage, especially, I was partially doing it to get you to respond the way I wanted you to. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. That makes sense. Like, it's this controlling, like, like control. if I make you feel something, you'll respond in a way that makes me feel safe and loved, right? Right. And so we've had to work through that to where I'm going to try to offer that to you. You're going to try to offer that to me and not worry about the response. And, and you know, because sometimes you offer real kindness and insight into me and I'm just like in a bad mood or grumpy. <laughs> yeah. I'm not remembering the details, but we had a fight. <laughs> it wasn't even a fight. It was just like a couple months ago where you were like being really 
kind and honest with me and I was just like wallowing in my own self-pity and so I was just <laughs> yeah. like mean back to you yes. <laughs> like yes maybe that's true but blah 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 you know and then like, I humbly just waited yes it was amazing no I didn't I bit back <laughs> no I don't remember that part oh that's nice of you to say but I'm pretty sure I bit um <laughs> So anyway, I think it's really important with our kids. It is a real opportunity to see them and for them to feel seen throughout their lives, whether they're four or 14 or even when they become adults and they're 24, they only get to be fours in this this scenario. (laughs) Um, They don't need to be in. Yeah. But a couple of things I've noticed is to not assume that their narrative or their super infection, as we're saying, is the same because I have yeah. conversations with like our... the same with each other? No, or same, the as, same mine. as ours. Sorry. Yeah. So I have conversations with our boys, and they're going through something that resonates with a memory I have of my time when I was 10 or 8 or whatever. And uh, I often will be like, oh, they must be feeling the way I felt. Right. We assign a ton of emotion yeah. to something that may not actually be there. Or we like assume that they know what, what they're feeling yeah. or how things played out in yeah, a Yeah, or that way. they're feeling the same way I am, and the more we dive into it, I realize, oh, he's responding very differently. Maybe better, maybe worse, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but very differently than I would have responded, and that could be any for a lot of different reasons. So, like, getting to know their narrative instead of superimposing my narrative on top of them. Yeah. Um, We've got super infection and superimposing. Good um, stuff. Yeah, Superman. <laughs> um, and then I, I think this just kind of takes time, right? Like to talk to your kids and to hear what's going on in their life and just at a, use that word curiosity, like just really wanting to know them. I think that's a real gift to them, not trying to, again, check off some boxes or get them to say the things. Sometimes I want my kid, our kids to just say like, everything's great and this is, I'm doing well in school and blah, blah, blah. Cause then I'm like, okay, good. I can check out cause <laughs> I, you're doing great. We're all yeah. great. But instead of really listening to what is going on, Yes. And often, again, especially with young kids, the things that bother them ultimately are not really big deals, right. but they're big deals in that moment. Right. And so we don't have to fix them or convince them they're not big deals. We just have to sit with them in that and be like, yeah, that makes sense. And yeah. like, we're building their muscles, their emotional muscles of feeling things, knowing what's normal and what's not, processing those things, and then having perseverance to just move through those things. Yeah, I think that like thinking about young kids, we um when we have babies, when they're when when babies are born, they obviously can't talk and they cry to get what they want, right? And you have to take the time to think about what is missing in their schedule, like do they need sleep, do they need food, etc. And it's exhausting emotionally, like I found it very difficult. And I was so relieved when they could start talking. And super excited. For like a week and then you're like, oh no, (laughs) they don't stop stop. talking. I know. But there's this assumption that once they're talking that they can tell you what they need or what they want. And there's this assumption that like like you can ease up on all of that emotional energy you put toward figuring out what the cry was. Like I remember reading books that would describe a type of cry. Like if the cry was coming from the like the back of the throat it was like they were in pain and if it was coming from the frontal area it was like they were hungry and what crap but anyway all that to say I spent a ton of time thinking through what my baby needed because they need they didn't have any words once they had words I made this assumption 
but I still need to put forth that level of emotional energy to try to understand what's really going on. So when my child is like super sensitive about what stupid shoes they're going to wear that day, I need to stop and think, okay, what are you actually trying to communicate? You know, like Mm -hmm. trying to really understand and exactly what you're saying, like dig under and, and just be with them. And that's the only way you can do it. Like I remember holding a baby and being like, all I can do is just hold you because I don't understand your cry. Yeah. I don't know what you need. I've done everything right and I can just hold you. And I think that carries on. And what I'm seeing in middle school now is that sometimes our oldest just needs us to hold him, you know? I mean, yeah. not in like, I don't put him on my lap because he's taller than yeah. me right now. What's that but called? A, uh, hypo- not a hypothetical. Hypothermia. More hypos. What you do we got? You mean it as a, an allegory. Nope. Uh, keep going. <laughs> you don't metaphor. mean it literally. You mean it <laughs> Figuratively. figuratively. There we go. Figuratively. Yes. Yeah. Which so is how people use the word literally anymore. But anyway. It's incorrect, right? I in the just, same I'll get way mad that, about that some other time. In the same way that people use ironic Ugh. incorrectly. Even uh, Alanis did. You get Alanis is how you say it, <laughs> first of all. And you're getting me Not angry. Not if you're from the Midwest. Alanis. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I think we've hit this. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, it is a good reminder, like, the more we talk about this, uh, the more I get excited about, like, listening to our kids and hearing what's going on and speaking truth to them. Yeah. And it's a lot easier for me than buying Christmas gifts because I suck at that. I'm going to go I'm gonna go upstairs <laughs> and try to hit, hold our middle schooler now. <laughs> Rock See how that goes. <laughs> what was that creepy book? <laughs> it's super sweet, but it it's a... It's the a, toilet paper on the front. Forever. I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. Is Isn't that what it's it? called? Yeah, and it makes me cry every time, but there's like a visual at the end of this old lady holding her 35-year-old yes. son in a oh, rocking chair. Yes. Anyway. It is, it's sort of sweet, but if you really take a step back, it's pretty weird. That's essentially how you could describe 95% of all kids' books. Okay, so yes, and if, um, did you see that yes and? That was my improv skills yeah, coming out. Good work. <laughs> if I walked into the room as the daughter-in-law, like... <laughs> Can you even imagine? You would just drop the divorce papers right oh, there. Oh, you're like, we're you're done. crazy. This is, we're over. You need a pacifier? What are we doing here? You need a book about how he cries? I'll tell you how he cries. He cries when his wife leaves him. <laughs> That's great, love. Well, with that, let's take a little short break, and then we're going to do Stat of the Week. Stat of the Week. All right, Rach. Hey, we're back. We're right in the throes of Christmas. Yeah, man. We are sitting like in the middle of all of our Christmas cards. Still not sent. Not sent. But really well addressed. Thank you. (laughs) They'll go out after Christmas. They'll get there, you know. Um, So do you know what my favorite culinary part of Christmas is? Culinary. Does that mean like food you like to eat? Yeah. Meringues. Culinary, not culinary. (laughs) Uh, I, I don't know if that's the word. Meringues. I do like meringues cookies. a lot, and you make those every year at Christmas, which I appreciate. But you You're can welcome. eat those in the middle of you know May or June, so they're not Christmas to me. Yeah, candy canes you cannot eat in the middle of June. No, without getting weird looks. Candy canes are your favorite culinary treat. I um, I wouldn't call them a treat, but I get the most joy relative to not right. having them. So well, a candy cane, but yes, go ahead. The thing is with candy canes, they're same, just mints. Yeah, same flavor <laughs> as those weird mints you get at like restaurants and stuff, right? I don't get it. I don't either. I don't they like taste those better mints. 
Yeah. In candy cane shape. There's But something... they also just taste better in December. Like, if you gave yes. me a candy cane in February, I'd be like, meh. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. It's such a weird thing. Yeah, so I really like candy canes. Yeah, candy in canes. I like the mini ones in particular because it's a little bit weird for a grown man to walk around with a huge candy cane. <laughs> I guess it's weird for a grown man to walk around like, with a little candy cane in his mouth. But. No, no, less weird. I think it is weird for a grown man to be walking around with a candy cane. You may as well just be like sitting in your mom's lap. <laughs> <laughs> Both of those things may happen. Oh, no. Do you terrible. know? So here's my stat of the week. Okay. And say, is it about candy canes? Yeah. <gasps> Fabulous. I wasn't just shooting the bull around candy <laughs> I was canes. Just curious. So there's a lot of. Did you know there's a lot of like legend, urban legend around candy canes and like where they're invented and why they're shaped the way they are. No. What the red and white mean, and it really comes down to none of that stuff apparently is true. Right. It's just a candy that people made that they liked. Um, and then they realized the little mints aren't that good, so they made them into a cane shape. Yeah. Well, so supposedly, which again, this is all rumor too. The reason they turned into canes because they pro- they used to be like sticks, is so you could hang them on trees. Oh, clearly. So that's the first sort of uh, memory, if you will, or note of uh, candy canes in America. Was someone decorated a tree with candy canes? Do you have a guess on what year that was? Ooh, what year was Santa invented? Well, that's also a lot of rumor. I know it's a big tragedy mockery. I mean, sure. like it started with a really great guy, and then it turned into something. Wacky. Bobby Santa. <laughs> yeah, back in the day, <laughs> Bobby Santa here. Hey, to Bobby Santa's here to bring you some gifts, <laughs> Bobby. Okay, I'm going to guess, was it maybe the 1700s? Uh, nope, next century. 1800s? Yep. Okay, so I'm going to say the late 1800s. Okay. Let's go with 1882. I think that's a good guess. It's wrong, but it's a good guess. <laughs> oh, thank you. It was yeah. 1883. No, I know, it was no, a year it's, off. It's 1847. A German-Swedish immigrant. This is all according to the National Confectioners Association. So they would know. Guess what their website is. Not as good as that turkey organization we talked about. National Confectioners, NC. No, much more fun than that. CandyUSA.com. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. So this guy, August Imgard, who's a German-Swedish immigrant in 1847 in Worcester, Ohio. Yeah, buddy. Not Worcester. Nope. Worcester. Decorated a small blue spruce with paper ornaments and candy canes. But they were not red and white. What? You were right. It was around the turn of the century into the 1900s when they started becoming red and white. Were they just white Uh, when he started? Well, CandyUSA.com does not tell me that. That's too bad. Come on, CandyUSA. (laughs) Get your act together. They probably were just white, I bet. Because it was just like a candy stick. A sugar stick, I mean. Yeah, like a peppermint stick. Yeah. 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 So they were white. Um, Did you know... I did not know this till about 45 seconds ago, um, that apparently at Disneyland, there's like a homemade candy cane thing that's a big deal. No. And they make a very limited quantity, like 120 every day. Wait, wait. What do you mean? Like they make candy canes at Disneyland? And they're handmade. They're not, like the candy canes you and I buy, right. the little people, we just buy are just made out of machine. Yeah. So, you know, they mix them and turn them. So up until like the 1950s, candy canes were not that popular. Because they were handmade and they're expensive and you just couldn't make that many. Yeah. And then apparently, supposedly, I can't remember if this is based on what I learned from the confectioners or somewhere else, there was a priest 
uh, I think also in the Midwest, who invented the machine that then could make them with, so they weren't handmade. You'd, you'd have the stick and then you would twist it. Then that's how you get the red like curling yeah. around and then you turn it into the J while it's warm probably. And then it, cools off and then you got your candy cane interesting so the machine does it but these ones that they make at disneyland i would be so intrigued if anyone who listens to this has ever gotten these or knows anything about them but they only make them on certain days and it's not like the whole month of december it's like 15 days of of the month and they're not all in a row and they make like 120 supposedly and you have to go and get like a ticket when you write when you get in there to get you know reserve one and they're like twelve ninety nine, and I think they're like big. They're not like a normal size. Who has done this? I want to hear. I yeah. want to hear like real life if this is for real. I mean, it's almost unbelievable, but at the same time, most of what Disney does is, is pretty unbelievable. Pretty unbelievable. Yeah. So anyway, I I like candy canes. I don't really need a handmade candy cane. To no, be I do. Oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Well, now I know what I'm going to try to find in the next 48 hours say, for Christmas. Well, I was just going to say next Christmas, because I've already got your presents. Next Christmas, I will write you a note with a candy cane from Disneyland. That would be amazing. It probably means It would be I way more expensive for you to go to Disneyland yeah. in California. Than to just buy, to buy you a, a present. <laughs> Seriously. But it's a thought. It is. I'm really curious if anyone's seen that. Yeah. Let us know. All right. Well, with that, Merry Christmas, Rachel. Happy Um, holidays. Yeah, Happy Hanukkah. Kwanzaa's coming up here in a day or two. Yes. It's the big end. It's the last week of December. So a lot going on. Yeah. And I really appreciate you working on the farm. Hey, thank you for working on the farm. Oh, other quick note. This is our 20th episode. Can you believe it? 20. 20? Yep. What? With that, we out. (laughs) Check you. 